0: None of us were getting paid not even the olympians it was all like a lot of sacrifice just to try to create a new foundation for women's hockey it feels good because like you know that as an athlete you are a leader and that like your words carry a lot of weight especially like if you're going through something as hard as this Um, i've dealt with mental health since i was 14 years old depression anxiety
1: What's up, y'all? This is your host, Natalie Allport, and welcome to the All In Podcast. Today, we have Reagan Rust, a former D1 hockey player currently playing pro hockey overseas in Sweden and the founder of the Female Athlete Society. In this episode, we talk about what it's like playing overseas, her background, and how she even found hockey at a young age how she then played and traveled very far distances um, to get to the prep school level and then get to D1 and then going pro what it's like as a pro female hockey player in this day and age with the new leagues, but also the same disparity between men's and women's hockey. Um, We get into some of the details between the professional women's hockey leagues that we see in North America versus the leagues that we see overseas. We also talk about athlete mental health, social media, and some of her own practices with dealing with these things. So without further ado, let's go all in. <laughs> Welcome to
0: the podcast. It's been so long and I'm glad that we hit record before we started catching up. Like how's life? It's going pretty well. I mean, I'm in Sweden now, um, which is not too much of a shock, um, but it's like similar to Boston if you've ever been there. Um, But hockey has been so much fun. My teammates have been awesome. And it's really cool getting to see a different part of the world by playing my sport.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That must be so cool. Like I, I, I mean, I would die to go to some of those like Northern countries. It looks so awesome. And what mm-hmm. about it? Like, why, why is hockey so big there? Cause I have like a friend locally that I played hockey with too. And she's, I don't know if she's in Sweden or Finland, but it seems like there's a good culture there for women's hockey.
0: Yeah. They actually have a really good setup compared to anywhere else that I've been. Um, they have a lot of sponsorships, which is awesome. They have, um, It's like televised every game, which is super nice. Uh, It's called Seymour. And I think that there's like, even like the, I coach 14 new boys here and like they come and watch my games. Like they, it's very supportive, which is, kind of different from like the US where obviously, you know, on TikTok, we've talked about this before, but like they just come at us saying yeah, so like we're not good at our sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They would not be coming to our games like in the States, but here it's like, it's honestly, they said it's been changing over the past few years, which is really cool to see. Um, and they just have like a lot of development programs too, which is so nice to be a part of.
1: That's, that's super cool. What do you, like, what do you think it is that like makes it different than the culture in the States? Is it
0: just like, even the culture of the countries themselves? Honestly, it might be the cultures because like Swedish people are, are, well, even like all Nordic countries are more reserved. Like they're super quiet. So I don't think they want to put their opinion out there more so (laughs) like Americans who want to put their opinion in everything, even if they know nothing about it. Um, it could be that, uh, I think too. Like, there's just been so much tension in the United States and obviously in Canada for everything, and it's really cool to see it growing. Um, but there's still like a long way to go with like how they treat women in sports and women in general.
1: Yeah. Well, like for example, with CrossFit, like Iceland is a, like a powerhouse country. Yeah. Really. Yeah, Iceland is huge. They're like the the I don't know. They're just like the best country, and um, yeah, they they have dominant athletes, especially dominant female athletes, much more so than the men. And it seems like when you, like the athletes are interviewed, they say like it's back to the culture. They're like like mm-hmm. I think Iceland has a female prime minister. I'm pretty sure, but. Mm -hmm. Um, just the whole culture of, of how like women's empowerment and like, it just never was bad to be like strong as a, as a female athlete versus like, as a female athlete, I know we talked about it like on your podcast, like we had a ton of hate, like growing up. And then even now, Mm -hmm. like that we're in our twenties, we're
0: getting hate from 14 year old boys on the internet. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think too, like going back to having like a female prime minister in Iceland, like here the laws for women are so much better, especially for like, um, if you're having a baby and you want to leave and stay with your kid, they pay you up to a year to like stay with your child, which is unheard of in the States. You get like a month, if that. And so I think like, that's definitely like one of the big things too, that makes a difference between our cultures.
1: Yeah. Super cool. Well, I want to talk more about this, but I want to go like back to how you even like found hockey or sport. I guess your sport background like let's go back to how you even got
0: into sports yeah so my aunt super random like we lived in Mississippi so there was only one ice rink in the entire state and so <laughs> it happened just to be about like 10 minutes by like around my house and my aunt started going to these games and they were like a somewhat semi-professional hockey and um, she started taking us maybe when I was like four. And by the time I was five, they started a new league and it was like a little rec league. And the, we were pretty close to the players and they said to like me and my sister, oh, you guys should come out. Like, it's gonna be so awesome. There's gonna be so many girls. And when we got there, it was me, my sister and one other girl, um, <laughs> but classic, um, but we stuck with it. And so like, I basically played cause my sister started and like, I, I probably would not have done that by myself obviously cause I was so young. Um, but we never looked back from there and we just traveled all over the United States, all over the world now. And yeah, it's been awesome. Wow.
1: And did you have to like back in that time, did you have to travel a lot for games? Like I know when I was a kid, we had a huge women's hockey league actually here. Like we had all levels like ABC and then house league, multiple teams, um, mm-hmm. like it was crazy. It was actually, it was pretty big, but then, uh, at one point, my parents were like, oh, we might move to Florida. It was like super random time. <laughs> we didn't move to Florida, but they were telling me like, if you, if we lived in Florida and I want to play hockey, you'd have to like fly for different games. Cause there wasn't enough, you know, female hockey players, let alone just hockey in Florida. So what was that like? And then how did you even go to, to playing college, college hockey from, from that level?
0: It was such a long journey. <laughs> Everyone else, like a lot of my friends that I ended up playing in college with, they're like, yeah, you know, like I stayed at the same school for all the years and I played with my same team, all those. And I was like, really? Like I had to do so much more than that. And like um, so we started by playing rec league and we played that for five years and um, they had like a boys travel team, but I wasn't necessarily at the level that I could play with them yet. And then by the time I hit like 10 or 11, we started traveling to Nashville, Tennessee, which was about three hours from my house. So we were playing for like a girls double A team there. And I think we stayed there for a couple of years. Um, So I was playing like 12 U with them. Then I'd play up with my sister who was on the 16 U team. And then we started playing boys hockey. So that was that A team that I was talking about. Um, we only went like three to five hours away from the house. So that wasn't terrible. It's still um, <laughs> yeah, it's so far, but like, it wasn't terrible for what I was going to do next, which was playing for Penn Elite. So in seventh grade, I tried out for a triple A team and it was all the way in Pittsburgh, okay. which is 12 hours from my house. <laughs> um, and my mom was like, not rich by all means. So we drove every other weekend up to Pittsburgh and just cause it was cheaper and we could get me, um, my best friend and her parents up there, so like we would carpool, but those drives I don't even know. I miss like every Friday class, like I, I didn't <laughs> go to school on Fridays. That's, um, exactly the best. That's like the biggest flex when you get to tell your your classmates, like, okay, bye, I'm leaving class, and they're like, why? I yeah. <laughs> exactly. But like the good thing was, is I had 12 hours to do homework, so it wasn't like I was missing that much class. Um, so I like, kept up my grades, and we did that for my eighth grade year and my ninth grade year and then my 10th grade year I told mom I was like look we need to look into some different options because this is kind of intense because in my ninth grade year I was like playing so many different sports and in all these clubs and I was like I can't really handle this like this is a lot and so um one of my coaches that coached me in Pittsburgh she said hey like I went to this prep school it might be a really good option for you Turned out to be like one of the best decisions of my life. Um, Some of the greatest people that I know are from there and a couple of Olympians I played with maybe like 12 different D1 girls, basically the entire, it was called National Sports Academy. It's no longer around. It was in Lake Pasla, New York. And um, I've heard of, uh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. And there was 53 kids in the entire school. (laughs) <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So it was like a girls hockey team, boys hockey team, um, some freestyle skiers, and some losers. Oh, and that was okay. it. Yeah. yeah. And so it was like all winter Olympic sports. And so I was there for a year. And that was like my biggest year of advancement because we played, I think it was 90 games in one season. and like, That's crazy. It <laughs> was like an NHL season as... <laughs> We were literally like 19 19 and under playing against other oh my gosh it was insane I don't know how we weren't dead no wonder we didn't like get on the ice for two months after that yeah <laughs> um but then from there I went back to Pittsburgh and builded um my last two years of high school and then I got recruited at one of the last tournaments of the summer going into my senior year and so that was just lucky <laughs> it was my only deal on offer
1: that's That is awesome. And that's so cool. I have a friend, uh, same, she was from here and she went to, I think it's in Vermont. It's like Mount snow or something, but it was the same thing. It was like a winter sports school. So then they could just Mm -hmm. snowboard like half the day and then do their classes, the rest. And I remember being like, so jealous. There was nothing like that around here. I was like, how can, how are you doing this? And then I realized like the prep schools for sports are a big thing in the States. And that's a, I think a big difference between Canadian and American sport culture is like here in Canada, it's just, it's so different. Like I had a girl on my high school hockey team who ended up playing for Princeton, but we were on our team. We had to like, we didn't have enough players. We actually like bought equipment for a girl who'd never been on the ice before. She had the 10 oh. on her equipment just so that we could like had 10 players so we could play a game. And then we were all just double shifting. And it was just That's so, so crazy. insane. And so I always wonder, I'm like, how did she get recruited? Like, how do they, people, people find, find these people up here in Canada who are playing with like people who have never played before. It just blows my mind. But in the States, like you guys have, you know, those prep schools and some of those opportunities, I guess it just, it just built up a little bit more from a younger age.
0: Yeah. I, it definitely, the recruiting process, it's kind of rigged in some ways because like, Schools will go around recruiting the really good kids before they're supposed to, you know, like eighth and ninth grade. You'll have kids that are fully committed to like Wisconsin or Minnesota. And I'm like, how do you even know how good you're going to be when you're like a senior or like even in college? Like they they take a lot of leaps on these kids. So like the recruiting process is definitely challenging and tough. Wow. That, yeah, that's absolutely crazy. I couldn't imagine
1: having that pressure on you, like from eighth or ninth grade to like live Mm -hmm. up to the expectations, especially before you even like get to a school. What was that like for you? I know it wasn't like eighth or ninth grade that you got recruited, but what was it like, like having to live up to those expectations and then actually going and, and playing college sports?
0: It was tough because when I went to that prep school, those girls, so like one of them, for example, is Callie Flanagan. She's on Team USA and she won like a gold medal with them and um I think it was China right that was the last winter olympics yeah uh, no wait Is the next winter olympics in China right.
1: I don't know <laughs> <laughs> now I'm <laughs> that bad that I'm so confused <laughs> I shouldn't know this but uh yeah. I think the next one is uh, uh, in Beijing so the last winter olympics must no they
0: were in uh was it Oh Pion?
1: no, um yeah oh, man.
0: yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's it okay all right (laughs) anyways she won an Olympic gold medal with them so like she by the time I got there was already committed to Boston College full ride Uh, a lot of the girls were getting recruited full rides to D1 schools and I was like oh cool like this is what it's going to be like for me and then like when my time came around it was not like that (laughs) like I did not get any of those D1 offers and so like I was struggling to find a school to take me and it was like just like this random tournament it's in the Beantown classic is what it's called. And the RIT coaches were like, Oh, like we should go watch teams that we don't get to see because they're closer to the Canadian border. So they always watch Canadian teams. Mm. And so they came and watched my Penns League game and they saw me as a defenseman, even though I was normally a forward. And I was just an offensive defenseman. <laughs> and so that's what they wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I like the one game that I play defense is the game that they see me play and they recruit me. I'm like, what the heck? Like I've been playing forward this whole time. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's definitely a challenging process.
1: I would be so upset about that because I hated playing defense and if the one game I played defense, someone then recruited me from it and I have to get stuck playing defense, I would be like, no, I can't do this. Like I'm center or nothing. Don't stick me on one side.
0: Yeah, seriously. That was how I felt when I got, because I, when I went to college, I was a forward, well, forward defense. He put me on forward for the first seven games, but I really wanted to play defense and then and then he finally put me back. I was like, thank God. It changed like my whole career. <laughs> so do you still play defense? Yeah, I'm still a defenseman. Okay, all yeah. right.
1: I, yeah, I can never play defense.
0: <laughs> I can't play forward, so it's fine.
1: <laughs> it's, it's funny. Like I had a, a friend, one of my, my uh, past roommates and she was the same. Like we grew up playing hockey together and her and, uh, well, her twin sister more so actually was always defense. I'm like, you would try to put them on forward and you're like, you could be good. And they're like, no, like I'm defense and you, you can see it. And they just like, refuse. Like, even if you, it's like a power play, you put them on board and they're like, stay back. And you're like, no, you can go. It's just <laughs> yeah. like so funny. How you you just like that's your position, and then it's just so hard to change.
0: Yeah, it definitely can be. Um, I'm like, I'm so happy that I am a defense here because last year when I got recruited for pro in Budapest, they put me on forward, and I was like, Do I have to? And they're like, We have too many defensemen. I was like, Are you kidding me? Like, I come all the way over here, and you're gonna put me as a forward, anyways. <laughs> I um, survived. Yeah. Well, awesome. Like, so, okay. What
1: was that transition? Like then once you got into college, like how was playing college hockey? Um, and then after that, I want to go into like the difference between, you know, playing college and then playing
0: pro. Mm -hmm. So I, I think my transition was a little hard on the ice because obviously I was playing forward, but like the year, like once I played that first game as a defenseman, I stayed defense the rest of the year for my team. (laughs) <laughs> like my senior year of high school. And so when he put me as four, I was like, this isn't like my strong suit. Like I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep up. And so those first seven games I was fourth line and it was like nowhere getting moved up like anytime soon. And then he puts me on defense and all of a sudden I'm first line <laughs> and I stay wow. first line the next two years. <laughs> and so, um, I definitely was a better defenseman and I think like that helped my transition. Um, playing to like my strong suits, obviously. But like even the difference going from RIT, which was like in the CHA, which we kind of considered like a, it's a league where you have to grind it out. There's skill, but it's like more like hard work than anything else. But then in the league that I switched to, which was Hockey East with Boston University, that's skill and speed. Like these girls are really good. Like, obviously, um, the captain of Team USA played for Northeastern. There's girls from Team Italy, um, Team Czech. Like, all of them are in that league, Hockey East. And so that transition was like, oh, I actually need to move my feet now. I can't just stay at home like I used to. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's,
1: that's a, that's a big thing. Cause I think a lot of people think like, oh, we could build the fitness to be at a certain level, but if you haven't had the experience with the skill and like the speed of the game, it just, you know, you take a couple of years off and it's going to be so hard to, to get mm-hmm. back into it. Like, I know I played, like I had, it when I started snowboarding, I had to stop playing hockey, but then I played like beer league hockey, um, uh, a couple of <laughs> years ago, just in the summers, but we had like a lot of div one players who would come back and that's like, it was like the top league, but we had no coaches. And, uh, and they were all like, I was like the only person on the team who didn't play like hockey in the States. And (laughs) I was like, okay, like, like physically i can keep up just and it, like my nickname on the team was crossfit they just called me crossfit because <laughs> i was like strong and fast but that's it and then but like the speed and the skill and like just the the playmaking like if you haven't had coaching in that long or you haven't like been mm-hmm. at that level it it is really like a really hard transition and it, that i think skill work takes it just takes so much more time like you can go to the gym for hours and like grind away at your fitness mm-hmm. but Skill work. It's like you get like half an hour where your brain is like on, you can learn it. And then all of a sudden you have to like take a big break. It's not something you can just grind
0: away at like 24 seven. Oh yeah. I know. When I, even like over the pandemic, when all the rinks were closed and I went back on the ice, I was like, I will never be able to play pro again in my life. <laughs> I felt that bad at hockey, but like, honestly, once you do it just for even a little bit of time, if you put in like a month or two, you'll back like you're good as like 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 you never left and so that's kind of how I felt too like this year I was coaching full-time um I didn't know if I was gonna play another year but when I got the message to come out here I was like oh yeah I'm down but I still like I hadn't been training like I was a pro athlete I had been training but not that level you know what I'm saying yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah. You had to like get back all like the training camps to, to, to get back at it. So how was Mm -hmm. that transition from like college to to pro? Because I would assume that especially with, like with women's sports, not having as many pro opportunities, D1 is almost like it's treated like a full-on business. Like a, a student athlete is like a business commodity in a sense when it comes to like school programs, but then going to the pro it's, I don't know. I, I, would assume like pro
0: teams make less than like D one schools in a sense. Yeah, definitely. They make way less. <laughs> um, I always like me and a lot of my friends, we always say like how D one was peak for women's hockey, like, especially right now. Um, obviously that's like why we created the PWHPA and, um, I joined that my first year out and none of us were getting paid, not even the Olympians. It was all like a lot of sacrifice just to try to create a new foundation for women's hockey. And so um, we didn't have our own locker room. We were practicing out of a boys division one rink and we didn't have like a set team at tournaments. So like we would all be scrambled on different teams the first year. That's just how they did it. Um, There was only maybe like four or five tournaments. So that means 10 games max in a pro season, which is literally nothing like a tournament. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just, Oh my gosh, I could play more beer league games. (laughs) Um, and so that was really challenging. Like the speed was definitely like top notch because I was playing with the team USA team Canada girls and they were sick. Um, so that was awesome. But when you're only getting like four or five games out of it, it's really tough to like say how well you like adapted to it. Um, And then when I went to Budapest, it was a little bit better. We had our own locker room. We had a gym. We had our own trainers and all that stuff. But, well, for me, most of it was in um, Hungarian. So I had no (laughs) idea what was going on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, like, I think it was a step up. And I, because, like, they had more support from sponsors and everything. And I think here in Sweden, it may be, like, one of the, maybe not be, like, the top first skill, um it's still really good. It's obviously like not as good as Team USA Team Canada players, but um I would compare it to like mid-level D1. And so we have our own locker room, we have our own ranks, we have like set times that we're playing, we have practice times, which is super nice. We get full gear. Um and for me, like I'm able to live out here, they give us an apartment and some salary on top of that. So it's definitely a step up from the states <laughs> in oh, that favorite. aspect.
1: It's crazy to think that because I feel like, I mean, the culture in the States and even in Canada is like, that's where everything happens, like North America. And then it's so, it must be so weird, like going to Europe and then it's like, no, it's a better experience over here. But yet like
0: U.S. thinks they're like the center of the universe. Yeah, for sure. I mean, my teammates, like they, some of them get paid, some of them don't. So like, it's kind of like semi-professional, same time, all of them have jobs or they're in school. So it's like the same thing that I was doing in the States where I had to work full time and then play games, except they just have a a way better setup of their game series and how many teams and it's like more established than in the US.
1: Right. And what, like, how far do you guys travel?
0: Do you play only within Sweden or you play like all over? Yeah, so I'm in the SDHL, so it's just Swedish teams. Um, And so I think there's nine of us right now and we'll go as far north as like, It's like 10 hours north from Stockholm and then we'll go like five or six hours south it's a really big country and I had no idea how long it was until I started playing here yeah like Um, on a map
1: you think it's like so small
0: yeah no but it's huge like it's a really long drive north and like even when we go all the way up north it's not even the top of Sweden so like it just keeps going um (laughs) But yeah, so when I was in the EWHL, they had teams in, I think it was six different countries. So they played someone in Austria, Switzerland, um, Germany, Kazakhstan was one of them. Yeah, okay. And Slovakia or Slovenia, I can't remember. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) That's cool. Like getting to kind
1: of you probably would see some of the people who might maybe play for like the national teams of like some of those smaller countries like Austria or um, Slovakia, Slovenia, one of those ones. Um, What's like the top league in I I guess. Yeah. What would be the top league for women's hockey now um, outside of North America? Like are there ones like is it kind of ranked like that some leagues like the Swedish League is this level and then the
0: EWHL is another level? Yeah, I think it's kind of tough because I I haven't been in the, there's like a Russian league, um, but they have like one team in China, the Rays. but I think it would be like Sweden, obviously first in Europe. And then it might be a tie between Russia and the EWHL. Cause like those, some of the teams like vary from like the top and the bottom, you know, Um, but the team that I was on in Budapest, they won it the past three years. Okay. And is
1: there there's like there's a league in
0: Australia, right? Oh, there is a league in Australia and there's a league in Switzerland too. I Switzerland makes sense, but
1: Australia it never makes sense to me. I'm like, people play
0: hockey in Australia? Some of my friends played there, so yes, it is there. Yeah. Like <laughs> I just I have no idea about it. Like I don't know anything about that league
1: yeah me neither I have well a friend who I forget if it's Finland or Sweden that she plays in now but uh yeah she was playing in Australia I think for a couple years and I was like I did not know that's a thing like I know women's basketball is big in Australia but I had no idea like hockey was a big thing in Australia yeah yeah
0: I had I think three different friends go over there and play one of them I she's still living there She doesn't even play hockey anymore. (laughs) That's like
1: like people go to Bali or people go to Australia and they stay, they don't come back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can't tell you how many stories I've heard from people here. And that are like from the U S and I'm like, Oh, like, what are you still doing here? Like I fell in love with a Swedish woman or ah. I fell in love with a Swedish man. And I'm like, what? so you just stay they're like, yeah, It's like good for you. <laughs> I could see that.
1: Yeah. I, I think that definitely, definitely happens. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's, that's essentially what happened with all the European players when they come to Canada or the U S too, <laughs> and then mm-hmm. they stick around. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, okay. I want to go like, talk a little bit about like hockey in the States and like what's happening with it. Cause I, I, even myself, like as a fan, try to figure out like what's happening with the PWHPA and then the NWS, NWHL changed their name, right?
0: Like, is it the I think it's PHF. P-H-F? Yes. Professional Premier. Hockey Federation. There's, yeah. Premier Hockey Federation. Yeah. It kind of sounds like a soccer name.
1: Yeah, but yeah. Premier is, like, so <laughs> associated with soccer. I know it's... Yeah, so, what, like, what's happening there? Like, I have a friend who played for Toronto when it was a PWHPA team. And then, okay. yeah, and then I think when they made the NWHL, she stayed with the PWHPA, and, like, she told me there was just... There's different things, values between them, and and it's not mm-hmm. really all, like friendly, I guess, but, um, I don't know. So I, I have no idea what's going on, but like, so I, I don't know who to like support in a sense, because I'm like, I want to support what's going to be the viable league for the long-term future. Um, yeah. but yeah, so I, am I don't know if you have any info shed light so that people who are listening can, can support and know like, where is the game going? Like where where's the future of like mm-hmm. these pro
0: leagues going, especially in North America. Okay. So I'll go back to 2019 um so there was the canadian women's hockey league and then there was the nwhl and when i was about to commit to a team it was going to be in the cwhl because i wanted to have like a good work-life balance and i was going to stay in boston and that folded like okay, that's, as soon as that's like, the league i think she played for yeah CWHL. yes and so i think they had five or six teams one of them was in china that's the team that's now in the russian league and um they they weren't getting paid, they were just playing. Um, and that there was like a mix between some of the Olympians being on there and some Olympians being the NWHL. Um, and so the NWHL was paying players, but there were rumors that those players weren't actually getting the money that they were promised. Whether it was from like jersey sales with, I've heard stories that it's like, you would get a percentage, but you would only get $7 of like $110 jersey. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of rough. Um, but basically, once the CWHL folded, there was a, a couple months between where we we're like, what's about to happen? Like, is there going to be like a new league? Are they going to form one league? Where is everyone going to go? So then the CWHL players formed an organization called the PWHPA, which is Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. It's a mouthful. Um, and that was just to basically fight for Um, equality in sports and make one viable league that would be good for generations to come Um, and so with that I said okay I'll join (laughs) because all my friends were joining it Um, a lot of the D1 girls that I knew were going to be in it all the Olympians were going to be in it I was like okay then I want to support this league because the best players are going to be in it and so there was kind of like backlash from the nwhl and all that stuff lots of drama for no real reason um which is usually the case with a lot of things yeah but so they had the league they said like it was going to be like the dream gap tour and so we weren't going to be paid all that stuff and so basically all the olympians were in there the nwhl was happening and um then the nwhl didn't have like the best players. so people were like why should we support them? And then they are like, well, maybe how can we support the PW if they don't even have like a full season? And so it's been like going back and forth where the people at the top of both league and or organizations have been trying to figure it out, but can't come to terms. And then basically the NHL said that they would not support any women's league until there was only one women's league. Mm. And so right now, the biggest issue is that all the resources are split. Yeah. We don't get the backup from the NHL, which basically if the NHL were to sponsor teams, it would go somewhat like um, the Buffalo Buttes that were in the NWHL. They The Bagulas said that they would sponsor them. And so they got all gear. They got their apartments paid for. They got part-time jobs. They got, um, they played out of the, Buffalo Sabres practice rink they were on billboards like side by side with the NHL players so like people actually came to the games they knew who they were and like they were kind of a big deal in Buffalo and so like that's somewhat what would happen if we made one league that's what they say anyways Right. that, that we would have that and so I don't want to like tell you who to support. (laughs) I was in the PWHPA. That's who uh, I've been supporting. So yeah, I have friends in both. (laughs) It's, it's hard.
1: Yeah, it's super confusing. Like I, I've been supporting the PWHPA, and uh, yeah, and then I'm just like, okay, but I see that the other, well, now the PWF or whatever (laughs) PHF PHF, yeah, Yeah. is like you know growing, but then I'm like, oh, but I, I I'm supporting the PWHPA, like, like because yeah, I think i think the idea is you don't want some league to to grow and fold again because it's going to look bad for the sport if it just mm-hmm. folds again and people supported it and then are you going to win those people back and like you said if the best players aren't playing there then people are like okay hey, well why will i support it but then on the other hand if they're not playing all the time then how do i even like follow this league so it's just yeah. so inconsistent and it's like it's yeah it's super hard but i do understand it's like the timing of it, it's like, you got to have the right league at the right time. And it's going to be Mm -hmm. the one to grow. And it seems like, like, for example, with the WNBA, like that's a, that's a good system where the NBA like supports Mm -hmm. the, the, their sister teams. I think it, yeah, I think it makes sense with the NHL, but I I had no idea that they were like waiting for that one team or that one, uh, one league to happen. I, that kind of sucks. I wish that they would actually like make some sort of step up or investment themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. rather than just wait to see, they're like, oh, you guys fight it out and then we'll like help whatever one. That's just a way of them saying they're going to help without actually really like investing in the start.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's believe me, it's super frustrating, especially to be like a player that feels like they could help mend the relationship. Like there's a lot of us that were like, we don't care what league takes over. We just want one league so we can actually make money. And so it's like, we don't even understand why we're fighting against each other, even though like they'll say like, we're not fighting, but like there's obviously tension. Okay. <laughs> and so that's the most frustrating part. We just want one leg that makes sense and makes it viable for everyone else.
1: That's the most unfortunate part of sports. This is the politics that go on behind the scenes of like the business of it, that then tarnish it for like the players who actually want to play where it should be, everything is serving the players. And what's the best interest of the players. it was, something similar, like when I was on the the national snowboard team, like we, whenever they would announce more money from the government going into like Olympic sports and national sports, I was like, we don't see a dollar increase of that. Like it goes to hiring more people in the office and like Mm -hmm. having, and that that's something that like people don't recognize. And it goes on behind the scenes of all sports. And it really should be that it's like the athletes first, and then if you can support hiring more, like, more support staff around that to, like, do other things, and totally, and obviously, it's a business, Mm -hmm. you're going to need marketing people, you're going to need operations people, like, whatever, but, yeah, having this bureaucracy, it just, like, makes everything so much harder.
0: Yeah, I'm, like, that's one reason why I went overseas, because I was, like, I... I've already been in the PW. I feel bad switching to the NW, but like, what if both of them don't work out? Like, yeah. whatever I'm going overseas. I don't want to <laughs> deal with this drama. That's what I said. Yeah, You guys do get out again. And then once there's one week, I'll come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well,
1: hope like hopefully that changes. I mean, yeah, it, it has been hard. I, I felt the same thing with the with the PW. Like, I'm like, how do I follow this? There's like this, yeah, the secret gap tour. But I'm like, I don't understand. Like, this isn't a league, and then mm-hmm. yeah, it's just it's really hard to follow. I yeah, I hope that something, something comes together and people can come together and sort something out. Um, cause I think it's, it's growing and I, obviously the, the growth of women's sports, like we've seen investment is happening, but it's hard yeah. for, I think companies to invest when there is like those, those two kind of leagues. Um, and they don't know which one to support
0: either. Just like how the athletes do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like here in, even in Stockholm, for example, there's multiple, um, men's and women's hockey teams, but there's also other sports. And so everyone is like fighting for sponsorship deals. And so like, there's some companies I'll be like, no, we're not going to sponsor any hockey teams here in Stockholm. Like for example, up in Lulio, which is one of the best teams in our league. They, I think the guy that created Minecraft, he pours money into their program. And like he helped redesign their rank and like has this whole light system that's like worth millions of dollars, like (laughs) super crazy. And like, they can actually live pretty good because they have all those sponsors and like nobody else fighting over them. But like, whenever you get to the States, there's two people fighting over, it's like the same exact thing. It's, it's super hard to choose. And like, even I, as like a player, it's hard for me to choose.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I can only imagine it's like such a, yeah. It's just like one of the, the I guess the dark sides of sports is just the politics that go on behind the scenes. And speaking about like dark sides of sports, another thing that I know you advocate a lot for it is athlete mental health. Um, like what have you been thinking about like kind of the past year or two where it's really come to light, I guess, or become more part of the conversation um, is athletes mental health, especially with the past Olympics.
0: Yeah. I'm honestly so grateful that people like Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka have been speaking out. And even like the male players, like Kevin Love has been speaking out for like years on end and, um, it feels good because like, you know, that as an athlete, you are a leader and that like your words carry a lot of weight, especially like if you're going through something as hard as this, um, I've dealt with mental health since I was 14 years old, depression, anxiety, um, even PTSD. Whenever I transferred schools from RIT to Boston University, and it like it really doesn't get easier. You kind of just get stronger, and like you learn how to deal with it better. Um, but I would say even like over the pandemic, so tough. <laughs> like dealing yeah. with lockdown, not being able to talk to people. Like talking through a screen's fun. It's 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 definitely like the second best option, but in person is so much better just like feeling that connection and like the energy from people. Um so like I struggled with like depression once again even this year. And so I think it's super cool now that like how many schools are giving opportunities for their athletes to come forward about their mental health and like not holding it against them. There's been so much change in that aspect where now that you like know you're, there's a sports psychologist at schools especially in the NCAA which is like, I don't think I really had that when it was happening for me. So I'm like happy to see those changes. And I think obviously there's going to be some people that are slower to jump on board with us, but the more people that talk about it, the less the stigma is going to be around. And so I'm like really grateful for these past few years and how much it's grown with mental health. Yeah.
1: And I think also like the pandemic, more people have understood like what it feels like to deal with some of these mental health stuff, because a lot of people who said like, oh, like depression is not real and all these things, then the pandemic happened and they realized with this lack of community, um, Mm -hmm. just like maybe they lost their jobs, like whatever happened, they start feeling that and then you can really relate. I think that was... Like, that's like a big one for me is like when people would, would share like suicidal thoughts or depression. And when I was a kid, I was like, I don't understand. Like, that doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense. And then when I went through depression, I was like, it is like, I completely understand. It is so easy to like think those thoughts and like, you're just not yourself. Like you're not the same person. And then it makes you like, I guess it's easier to empathize with people moving forward from there. Like, unfortunately, because I I don't wish that people have to go through it to be able to empathize with other people. But um, Mm -hmm. I do think that the pandemic has at least helped other people kind of come together who have dealt with it and like, understand that it really can happen to anyone, no matter how much money you're making, like external Mm -hmm. success, like none of that stuff actually like necessarily makes a difference. In fact, it can add to like the pressures to, and the guilt
0: of like going through it. Yeah, for sure. And we've even seen like on social media, like social media isn't real. And I'm so glad that people are like putting more stuff out there. Like for example, Victoria Garrick talking about body image. She talks about like how basically what we show and what we put like our highlight reel on Instagram isn't what's actually going on. And like, even if we look good in a photo, it doesn't mean we feel good about ourselves when we post that photo. And so I think that's been a big thing for me is like trying to step away from social media on like that front where I post for other people. Now I just post for myself, which is like such a freeing feeling not to be, you know, tied down to being scared of what people will think about me. Um, cause that like caused a lot of my mental health issues was just like how other people perceive me.
1: Mm. And I think that's like, it's, it's super normal, especially like, like we see a lot of teens who fall into that too. And they're like posting what they think that other people will like, or like, oh, everyone's posting this. or like my friends are doing this. So I like have to pretend that I'm like this too, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But I think like social media has magnified that because it's also in real life, like as a teen, you just want to fit in. And it's all, mm-hmm. I think it also goes back to like why 14 year old boys in the States hate on women's sports. Maybe they don't believe that, like, maybe that's not how they were raised. But if like the cool guy in their class is talking shit about women's sports, they do it to get a reaction, like get likes from the other guys, you know, and like feel like they fit in. So then it like snowballs. And I think it's the same thing with like with with young girls, especially like posting on social media for certain like likes from certain people or whatever it is. And um, I wish that there was like some sort of course or something, but it's it just it's also so hard because it is like a normal
0: part of growing up of like wanting to Mm -hmm. fit in. I know. I, I felt like it was so much easier though when we didn't have social media. <laughs> like when I was in elementary school, I did not care. I wore my hair in a low bun. Like <laughs> I had part right down the middle. I had a rolling backpack. Oh my god, I had a rolling backpack. But like
1: a rolling so backpack.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I know. Thank <laughs> God I don't have that anymore. Actually, I might need one to be honest with you. Did it like but, light up and everything? okay thankfully it did not light up but I think it was like one of those see-through backpacks so like, how embarrassing. embarrassing like what <laughs> anyways I did get like a little bully but it was only from one person and I put <laughs> this place real quick <laughs> oh my so God. yeah I'm like I'm glad social media didn't come into play until like I was in high school because I don't know how these kids deal with it nowadays
1: yeah. I, I feel you hundred percent. I wore like basketball shorts and like <laughs> yes, boys clothing to school. And I would, I would go to school, like on my skateboard, dribbling a basketball, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, I got teased enough at school that if it came to social media, like when I was home, that actually probably would have like ruined me. It's like, I would go mm-hmm. home some days just like so upset. So I could only imagine if it like continued, that would be, it, yeah, it'd be so horrible. So I mean, what do you think like could be done for that in a sense? Cause I, I like social media is not really going anywhere. I, people mm-hmm. are starting to like kind of uncover, like how things are fake, like, like what you said with when I saw, uh, I, yeah, Victoria Garrick's post about like that Facetune. I actually had no idea what Facetune was before that. Like <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know it was a thing. And then when she posted it, I was like, wait, like that's possible. And then I was like, oh my God, like, and that's like I didn't know people did this like I saw celebrities sometimes like they had mm-hmm. more photos but I was like they probably hired like 10 professional people to like twitch it I was like I did not know it was like an app that could completely change what you
0: look like yeah I, that's crazy I I didn't know it was like that good at manipulating what it looks like in a photo and or video that's that was a crazy part it was a video I didn't know yeah, that yeah. was able to happen for like people that didn't know how to actually edit. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's crazy. And there's like, I, you know, I was in college and I was on the train. I think I was going like some downtown in Boston and I saw a girl editing her photo, like oh. crazy editing her photo. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is like still a thing. And I was like, that is so sad. Like I, for college, like my last few years, I just almost completely got off of it because it was like causing me so much like you know like FOMO and stuff yeah Um, like for things that could be done about it it's I mean a lot of it one is on companies they need to step up and I think like TikTok for example you know when you're scrolling for too long it's like hold up you've been scrolling for too long have you seen that uh well
1: okay so uh my boyfriend has he gets it done. but i like i honestly i don't spend that much time scrolling on tiktok i but i need it on instagram because like i still mm. i still find i scroll more on instagram i don't know i think it's because i spend so much time making a tiktok that then i'm like okay yeah i don't have time to like scroll past because this <laughs> took me so long like i feel like people are like oh that video should have taken you two seconds i'm like no it takes me like an hour. <laughs> So then I don't scroll as much. But I yeah, I've heard they has like the um like the
0: well-being checker or I forget mm-hmm. what they call it. Yeah, I think that's like a good good idea for companies to do because I it's if, if you're like me or if you're like your boyfriend for example and you just like get scrolling and then like the algorithm is so good. It just oh, keeps so you good. hooked sometimes. And so unless you have the willpower to exit out like you need that reminder. But like another thing too is like parents talking to their kids about like, what do these things mean to you? And like, what is it actually like, what is it doing to your health? Like talking about like the mental health conversation can go into social media, but like, I think it's hard for kids. if like their parents haven't even gone through like that mental stuff or haven't dealt with their mental stuff, you know? Um, But like having that conversation at home is really big, even like putting more resources out there. Like I don't know are there any studies on what um social media can do to mental health because I yeah.
1: know there are. <laughs> there are yeah there are there's some kind of like I mean it's a hard to study because it's like subjective right and like how can you really check everything that someone's scrolling and then like how much time and then like how they feel without like a lifetime brain scan of like what it's doing I guess yeah uh, but yeah there, there are well I listened. yeah I listened to a podcast that was actually really interesting it was saying like that eating disorders have actually gone down with social media, which is like really apparently eating disorders in like the early, like 1900s and stuff. They it just wasn't like talked about, but they were really prevalent because mm-hmm. it is like kind of like a chemical thing. Like it's the kind of like, in, if your parents had an eating disorder, then it, it like tra- uh, carries down, but then body image in general, that probably I would say has been correlated with social media. But mm-hmm. what, like that's hard. It's hard to study. Like how, how do you like put on a ranking, like what your body image is? Like, I think it just is yeah. really hard to get like concrete studies, but I would assume that it's not, mm-hmm. not been good when there's like people who fake their image and then you look at it or like people who like, for example, one thing that was hard for me was like in Canada, we were like really, really locked down. Like even still, mm-hmm. like we still have like pretty strict rules, like with COVID and everything. And then I was yeah. seeing, like everyone in the U S like going on vacation and traveling. And I was like, we are in, like, I actually felt like I was in a different world than other people, like completely. It was so weird. We like, should not have
0: been traveling, yeah. is what I
1: will say. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, was <laughs> not time for that. <laughs> I know. But it was crazy. But it was like, literally, like, I would watch things. I, I watch even football games now. And I'm like, this is an entirely different world than, like, where I'm living now, even though I could drive there in, like, four hours. And yeah. so,
0: it's super weird. Well, on the the social media front, I remember... I can't, I think it was like Australia. They they made their models and whatever, put disclaimers if the uh. picture was edited. That could definitely be something that, uh, it should be something like you should be, you, you should tell that like, hey, I actually edited this photo. Um, This is what I did. So yeah. like people know that it's like unrealistic of like what they're looking at. Um, and then another thing is like, just teaching kids in school. Like, we teach kids how to like add and subtract and do all this math. But like, what about mental health? You know, like what does social, like this impact that social media can have, um, how to do your taxes. Like that would be something good to learn <laughs> being able to like have a conversation with other people. That's like deeper than, Oh, Hey, how are you? What's up? Now I'm good. How are you? Good. End of conversation. You know? Yeah. Those things are big.
1: I love that you brought up the learning taxes in school. Cause I always say, I was like, social media should be taught in school because it's something like, it's part of all of our lives. We spend, a lot of kids are spending mm-hmm. like as much time as they are in school on their phones. Um, mm-hmm. on social media, but yet there's no training. But then I always relate back. I'm like, yet there's also no training for taxes and we all have to pay it. So that's probably, if they're not even prioritizing that, then they're not prioritizing anything. It's just yeah. Yeah, It's like, exactly. Basic
0: addition. That's what we need when our phones yeah. have calculators. Exactly. Um, taxes were the hardest thing for me. Once I graduate, I still can't do it on my own. I always mess it up.
1: Oh yeah. I, I'm, I hate it. Like, well, I even, I studied business, so I had to take tons of accounting courses. I'm like, I, I, I'm like, no, I hate it. I have no idea. It was so funny. It was like one time in a marketing class, I had this, uh, someone who was like an account, I don't know, they were an accounting major or something. And we were doing a group project and they were like, they just did not understand marketing versus it was like the easiest marketing class. I was like, I just don't understand accounting. And I was like, wow, like people's brains are totally wired different. (laughs) This girl she was like working like as an I don't know even a, I think an unpaid intern at like some place doing accounting she's like it's so fun I look forward to it every day because it's not even like work and I was like
0: what <laughs> like yes. uh, we are not the same <laughs> yeah yeah I totally hear that I was not a study student type person I did well but I hated studying. I don't know. It just like did not work with me. I can't sit down for a long period of time and try to learn something that I don't care about. And yeah. that's like half of college. <laughs> I, yeah, that is exactly college. It's like teaching you how
1: to like, yeah, you have to sit down and learn to do the things you don't want to do, which sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. Um, so what, uh, I want to talk about like a, a couple of tips that is just following up on the conversation on social media for people who are dealing with hate online or dealing with, you um, you know, having FOMO or, or body image issues, like what can they do to improve their mental health when they're spending time online?
0: Definitely. (laughs) I, this is like counterintuitive, but like get offline and like, talk to your friends. Like the people that actually care about you would never say those things that other people are saying. And I think it's like a good realization to know that the ones that are saying that stuff about you actually just feel bad about themselves that's the only reason that they would want to bring someone else down. Like nobody just throws out negativity unless they're feeling already negative. And so like, I think we talked about this off on like Instagram or something, just wish them well and then go on your merry way. Um, But yeah, just like even setting limits for yourself of how much time you can be on that'll drastically increase your mental health. Um, And I know a lot of people will just start blocking people that say that stuff. And Hey, if you block them, they can't get to you. And so that'll definitely help too.
1: Unless they're like a crazy stalker. I've seen stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Like the people make new accounts and they go, like
0: it's yeah. Oh, it's oh gosh. I don't who has time for that. Yeah. That, I, don't that that I
1: don't understand. One time I I like I don't know. When I first started on TikTok, I had one post that like went off and then it was like all guys hating on women's sports. And um I blocked these people like eventually I was like, okay, hey, I'm just blocking this. Like this is just so stupid. So if people like took it too far, like they would go to other videos that had nothing to do with anything and like start hating on women's sports. And I was like, Hey, why are you doing this? Nice. I blocked them. They like would email me, they would Instagram DM me. And I was like, How are you having the time to like remember the name, <sighs> go in a different place and like just to message me saying women's sports suck? And I'm like. Like, why do you care this much?
0: And they're the same people who obviously say, like, I do not care, you know? I'm like, oh. Yeah, oh, my God. And they just love to comment that. That kills me. I can't believe they went through, like, that extent to get to you. I thankfully have not had that crazy of an experience on social media yet. (laughs)
1: Well, people are crazy. There was, um, Val Whiting. She's on TikTok. I don't know if you follow her, but she like empower. she's a WNBA, former WNBA player. And her mm-hmm. whole account is like about uplifting other female athletes. And I had her on the podcast and she told me that, um, she got so much hate and she's like, 40s like she's she's older like she has grown up kids and everything and these like teen boys were hating on women's sports so much that they called the cops on her house like like they actually like completely like it became real in real life like it was crazy
0: how did they even know where she lived? Wow. They
1: they like, I don't even know. It was like so weird. They found out somehow how, where she lived. I don't know how they like tracked this down. They like called the cops on her and like, it was, then it was like a false alarm and it was like, it was insane. And I was like, how like people have that much like hate and time on their hands, which is, I think that's one of the scary parts of social media for me is like, there's people who are on there just looking to pick other people apart or like, tear other people Mm -hmm. down like that's their whole purpose and it can be like really scary because they they could actually do something that affects you in real life or like people who's like an athlete who makes money off social media or Mm -hmm. to support their career like someone can like just be a hater and like ruin stuff for you like they could somehow try to spam your account to get it taken down or like report you that actually that that actually happened with that women's sport video these Mm -hmm. guys kept reporting me so then my next couple videos it took like tiktok like a day to review them. And I was like, this video has nothing to review. What It was like, wasn't posting because my account had so many reports just from these guys who like all decided to, because I posted about women's sports, it was so crazy.
0: Oh my god! Wait, that's probably happened to me because I've had videos that were under review and I had no re- idea why. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, yesterday I had a v- uh, video under
1: review and I was like, why? But then it was like it had a picture of me snowboarding and then it put professional <laughs> I like, don't do this, like this is dangerous activity or something. And I was like, oh okay, that makes <laughs> sense, I guess. But then. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, yeah, there was like anything I posted for like the next few days, it was like always under review. And I was like, that's super weird. And I was like, I for sure has to do with these people. So that's why I started blocking
0: people. I was like, hey, yeah, I, I need them. gone." Oh my gosh. Oh, I've only had stalkers in real life. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But <laughs> no, I think at least they online. I don't know. <laughs> gone I got through it we're good we're good I'm alive I'm in another country (laughs) oh no wait what happened um I'll just give you like one for example there was this guy that was in my business class in college and you know like we were in like a group project together and so I talked to him so we could do our projects and I was like oh like I have a game night you should come like not thinking anything of it. And I was like, oh yeah, they're going to be auctioning our jerseys off. Like you can buy mine for $300. Ha ha, ha. Okay. And, and I was like, we're all broke. I thought we were broke college students. And so it was a joke. And then he showed up and he bought it and it, it gets a little bit longer. I don't really want to go into details, but <laughs> basically he wanted to burn my Jersey after I didn't want to go on a date. So Oh god! Make for an awkward rest of the semester and year after that.
1: So yeah, that is super, super awkward and also super creepy. And uh, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. La- last few quick fire questions. What's some or like I guess maybe three things that you do to take care of your mental health
0: as an athlete? I go for walks. I actually dog sit, so I go for walks with that dog. <laughs> oh, that is cool. Yeah, he brings my mood up a lot. So I'm thankful for him. Um it's a Rhodesian ridgeback, by the way. I'll just put that out there. His (laughs) name's Aster. He's super sweet. (laughs) And then um I call my friends often. Yeah, that helps me a lot just to remind me that like I have people in my corner. Um, and so I've been catching up with a lot of people this week because it's been really dark here and I really need that extra boost of light. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Um, And then like just meditating and writing that really helps me too. So I will meditate in the mornings and it like helps clear my head and the writings help me put my thoughts on to paper. So I don't have to have it up in my head.
1: Love that. Um, The last two questions I ask every guest, the first one kind of maybe your answer will be similar to the one that you just gave, but what's, I have like all the daily habits that you have. What's that one biggest game changer for you?
0: Coffee. (laughs) (laughs) okay if I don't have coffee I cannot function I don't even need the caffeine I just need the taste of coffee and like just to drink it
1: (laughs) oh it's the same
0: I've been on decaf
1: but like Mm -hmm. making a flat white every morning just like a routine and it tastes good which is crazy because as a kid I was like oh I need the caffeine for like I don't know work or something but I hated coffee now it's like I'm drinking decaf I don't
0: understand (laughs) (laughs) yeah I love the taste of it it's great I actually, it's like five in the afternoon, but I have a cup right here. Well, that's awesome. But
1: that's the perfect part about like, it, well,
0: is it decaf or normal? No, this one's normal, but okay. I also go to sleep. So we're good.
1: Okay. Okay. My grandma's like the same. She's like, it's 9. PM. She's like, make me a coffee. I'm like, grandma, you will not sleep. She's like, no, I will. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. About this. <laughs> um, okay. Last one is picture yourself. You're like at the end of your life, you're looking back on everything you've done.
0: What's the impact that you wanted to have made? I hope when that time comes that all have impacted the lives of over 10,000 female athletes and helping them get to college, being there for them, being a mentor, whatever it is. I just hope that like I can help female athletes in their journeys and yeah, I'll be happy with that.
1: Amazing. Well, hopefully you've reached some through this. And then I know you also run the female athlete society. So like where can people find you and
0: uh, the female athlete society as well? I think the best way would be through Instagram. So ray.rust and then female athlete society has its own too. So at female athlete society and DMS are always open. So feel free to reach out.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. It's been great to catch up, enjoy your, uh, your evening, I guess, evening coffee. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for having me. It's been great.